You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. At Garden City, our goal is to help people join Jesus on a journey toward wholeness and flourishing. We want to see you bloom right where you're planted. There are three essential steps on this spiritual journey that we focus on, and we always come back to a Garden City. Belong, believe, and be love. It's why we exist. The first step of belonging is really about building a community uh, where belonging allows us to experience and explore the way of Jesus uh, before we might even believe in Jesus. Rather than focusing on who's in or who's out, we choose to focus on people and what direction they're moving toward. We focus on helping people of all cultures, backgrounds, perspectives, and brokenness to feel welcome to experience community right where they're at and then move forward on their spiritual journey toward Jesus. Whether you're exploring faith, maybe deconstructing, reconstructing, or reframing your faith, or maybe realizing that you know a lot about religion or have experienced a lot of religion, but maybe need to get to know Jesus more, you can belong before you believe, and you can belong as you believe. The next step is belief. Believing is learning to trust Jesus, to listen to Jesus' voice, and to see the world through his eyes as Jesus does. When we trust, listen, and learn from the Spirit of Jesus, we begin to see God is at work in the brokenness of our world. We begin to see what Jesus is doing and figure out how to join him in the world. When we discover grace, we discover gratitude, and the more we reflect on God's love in our world, the more we can reflect God's love to our world. The third step is be love. I believe we are blessed to be a blessing. We are called to love God and to love others. When we turn toward Jesus, he turns us toward others to love and serve them. Every person has been given a calling, a purpose for their life by the Lord. That's the way they're built to be love. And as a community, Garden City wants to help people find belonging and then believing, but then be sent out to be love. And we want to support you and send you into your world to serve the common good of your community. Christians throughout the ages have been sent into their world to love their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their loved ones for the purpose of helping themselves and others flourish on their journey with Jesus. As a community here at Garden City, we want to help people find belonging and belief and then figure out their callings, their way of being loved so that we can send and support them to be loved to their world, serving their community for the common good. Christians throughout the ages have been sent into their world by Jesus to be love in their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their loved ones for the purpose of helping themselves and others flourish. In a world that wants to either condemn or condone everything, we choose a third way, the way of compassion. This is the way of Jesus. So for today, I'd like to look at how these steps of belonging, believing, and then becoming love were actually it really incorporate into Jesus' teachings and into his life. We also want to celebrate how we've been living into this journey the last year as a church 
And then I want to invite you to take your next step in your journey. You can see the three essentials when you look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Let's start with the first, belonging. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says this, a legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now, before I go any farther, we can be thinking from our perspective and our culture, oh, he's, he's asking the question like legitimately, how do, you, how do you get to heaven? And while that is uh, the question up front, um, it's important to remember that in this culture, um, a religious expert or a scribe like this guy was very likely a part of the Pharisees a religious group that really centered on the Bible and they centered their life around the synagogue and their communities. Um, And they always had tension with another religious group that was also Jewish called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, instead of centering their life around synagogues in the community and, you know, the Torah and Torah interpretation, they centered their life more around temple. And they had a lot of um, their lives uh, revolving around that. The question what must I do to inherit eternal life, gets at a theological boundary between those two groups, a kind of uh, a line that's been drawn between what they've argued about. The Pharisees believed that there was a a resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't believe there there was. So one believed in an eternal life resurrection, the other did not. So the question this guy's asking underneath, it's possible he's asking kind of an in or out question. Are you on team Pharisee or team Sadducee? Do you believe in the resurrection and eternal life or not? He's asking, are you part of my tribe? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? That's supposed to be his job, right? If you're supposed to be a legal expert on the law. So he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So Jesus doesn't like identify with the in versus out, the binary um, framework this guy was setting up. Jesus takes this third way approach, this this way that kind of um, lives between those worlds. And he just says, yeah, you've got it. That, that's what you should do. You, you know the answer. But the legal expert couldn't just leave it at that. He had to justify himself. It says in verse 29, the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. And so he said to Jesus, and, and who is my neighbor? It's like a good question. You see in this moment in the story, uh, a man comes up, a legal expert, and there's probably a crowd of people and audience that are all listening in from different backgrounds and perspectives. And he's trying to figure out, is Jesus on my team? Is this guy, is Jesus a good teacher? Should I be for him or against him? Because uh, that's the culture that they, that they lived in. Jesus creates this environment, this space of belonging. He, he, this guy who's treating him skeptically and a bit like an enemy, uh, and certainly isn't um, advocating for uh, Jesus, Jesus responds with with belonging. He listens. He dialogues with them. He, as we'll see, Jesus asks honest questions back. Belonging is so important. It it allows a place where new possibilities can happen. Uh, Rather than, you know, like creating more tribes that hate each other or disagree more, it it creates a space where exclusion and rejection don't have to be the, the end game. 
In a world of hostility, Jesus shows hospitality, creates belonging. Belonging is the space that creates new possibilities for love. It opens up our eyes to new horizons maybe we never thought possible. Belonging is the space where love can grow. And Jesus treats this legal expert who's used to defining who's in and who's out, um, who's right, who's wrong. He treats this man like a neighbor. He listens. He dialogues. He invites him further into the conversation and asks questions, and he creates a place where he can belong before he believes. The next essential, believing. Let's look at this. Verse 30, Jesus replies to the question, well, who's my neighbor, with this answer. Jesus said, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him, and left him near death. Now, it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, another temple worker, and saw the injured man and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Verse 33 says, A Samaritan, Time out for a second. Samaritans, many of you probably know this, were the, the enemies of the Jewish, uh, especially Jewish leaders and religious folk. They, they saw them as enemies and like an impure um, breed of people. There's a lot of enmity between them. So a Samaritan, a cultural enemy who was on the journey, came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. Notice that the priest and the Levite, both temple workers and leaders, they both saw and then moved away and continued on their way. The Samaritan comes up, the cultural enemy. He saw and was moved with compassion and moved toward the man near death. See, compassion, I think, is so crucial here. Um, to our understanding of belief. Believing is seeing. Faith is perception. Compassion moves us from only seeing a human perspective to moving to see more of God's perspective. Compassion moves us beyond the chaos of our world, the, the lines of who's in or who's out, beyond the religious tendencies of our world, and beyond even disillusionment and doubt. Compassionate faith Sees a world that allows us to transcend our differences, hold tensions, see beauty in mystery, hold on to our core convictions, but give freedom and liberty to others to disagree. And compassion opens our eyes to draw bigger circles of love in our life. Compassion generates greater love. In a world that wants to condemn or condone everything, Jesus shows us the way of compassion. I believe that Jesus helps us, like he's trying to help this lawyer, this this kind of uh, expert of the law. He helps us begin to see and believe in a better way and to live in in a world in a way that trusts and listens to Jesus' voice rather than all the other voices. This is belief, listening, seeing, relating, and loving Jesus and letting him be the center of our life. Now, the third essential is be love. Verse 34, the Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, 
tended to them with oil and wines, put medicine on them, like his first aid kit. And then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. This was the sacrificing of time and energy to care for someone he didn't even know. This is love. Verse 35, the next day he took two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. Love disadvantages the person who's loving, who's giving, who's sacrificing. There's a, a, an aspect that love requires generosity, requires sacrifice, and you put yourself at a disadvantage when you do that. That's how God is toward us. Listen to this. He said to the innkeeper, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. Real quickly, this is so interesting to me that the Samaritan, um, he realizes his own limitations. He does what he can, and then he partners with somebody, this innkeeper, to, who has more resources and the right resources to, to help this guy heal fully. So he doesn't just try to do it all himself, um, but he partners with other people. Verse 36, Jesus asked this, what do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered the thieves? The legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. And Jesus finished this conversation with this, go and do likewise. Go and be love like the good Samaritan. See, when you love people, there's going to be moments where you have to have your eyes open and see them, but com- there is no compassion without action. We have to act, and love puts us at a disadvantage. Like, we uh, have to give something. We have to sacrifice something. Love also partners with others. Love knows its own limitations. Like, I have certain gifts or certain uh, abilities, and I'm going to need other people to love this situation well. So, it looks to partner. It looks to give. It looks to sacrifice. And by the end of this story, Jesus changes the question of the religious expert. He changes it from, who's a good neighbor to me, is really what he's asking. And he changes it to, who am I a good neighbor to? Jesus paints this vision through this story about this journey for every one of us who want to learn to be loved the way Jesus was, to be good neighbors who love, not bad neighbors who don't. So I want to celebrate the journey that our church has been on this last year as we try to create spaces to belong, believe, and be loved. I want to celebrate some amazing things that have happened in our church this last year. In the area of belonging, over the last year, we've thrown 10 parties. um, And these parties and events had so many people at them, many people experiencing a faith community for the first time or maybe giving a faith community the, the last chance they're going to give it before they walk away from faith. It was amazing to see what God did there. We had 27 people go through Starting Point, beginning their journey at Garden City. We had 41 people go through Growth Track, and I was so excited to see that, to get to know people on a deeper level, um, to grow our relationships and our faith together, and to be better able to live into the vision here at Garden City. We also had six listening groups with about 62 people involved. And they were, these were just uh, smaller circles of people like from the medical field or people who had a passion for a diversity and inclusion or um, executive leaders. And th- this was a way of listening and getting into the world of people in our church, getting into your world to know how we could better support that as pastors and staff. 
In the area of believing, we've got some exciting things to celebrate. Get this, in our weekly online attendance, which is like our online campus, we've averaged 252 people on a weekly basis joining us. That's incredible. And with our online attendees, we have people that are local, but also global. They're tuning in from other countries. It's just incredible. Another amazing thing is that we had 12 baptisms this last year, people going public with their faith. I just love it. And in the area of being love, we had 154 volunteers serve this year. That's amazing. Thank you. To give you a picture of that, we added up all the the hours and time that people gave, and we found that you gave 1,700 hours to serve our church and our community. Thank you. That's incredible. 45 people took a first step of generosity. That's amazing. The Bible teaches that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Thank you for having a heart to impact our church, but also our community. This last Christmas, we were able to do the One Child Christmas Party where we impacted 310 foster children and their families. Thank you for having a heart to not only serve, but see people that often go unseen. I'm so proud to be part of this church. I love each and every one of you, and I'm so grateful that you are here. You are part of this vision and part of the growth of our church. And when I say growth, I don't just mean like as our church grows in number, but I mean like growth from the inside out, like that you and I are growing, our character is developing, our hearts are growing. And I wanted to thank you for being part of this vision. I also wanted to invite you to participate in this vision together, to take at least one step today. These steps help us join Jesus on the journey toward wholeness and flourishing, belonging, believing, and being loved. So what step could you take? Maybe a step of belonging. In what ways is God calling you to belong and help others belong? Two really simple ways of doing that, taking that step, are starting point and growth track. Starting point is kind of where you can go to learn about our church and the heart of belonging. And then uh, the growth track is for everybody who wants to learn the heartbeat of our church, but get tools to, to live into this vision. And really the growth track is also connect to the next step, which is believe. And what what is Jesus asking you to let go of? And what is he asking you to trust him for in your life? I want to encourage you to take a step of trust today. Maybe trust Jesus for the first time, put your faith in him. Um, take a step of being baptized to identify as a son or daughter of God publicly. The other is just engage with our services. Just begin making service a priority. Uh, make your church family a priority. The last step is be love. And maybe this is an important step for you. How is God calling you to steward and cultivate your world, to be love to your world? And this, for us, simple steps are being in spiritual family, getting in a group, or joining a serve team so that you can be in a, a, a relationship with people who are going to support you with your purpose, your calling. Then you can also use your gifts to serve others. So would you take a step of faith today, whatever the best next step for you is? If you're feeling like God's pulling at your heart a little bit to take a step of trust, Would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, 
I want to take a step of faith and love today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me so that I can have life. Help me to live my life as a response to your love so that I can be love in a broken world. I'm taking this step today as a, as a step of trust, the best I know how. I entrust my life to your love and leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. The American church is in the middle of some major cultural and internal shifts right now. Let me give you a few stats. In the year 2000, the average median attendance for churches in America was 137. In the year 2020, it was 65. There is a major shift that has happened culturally within and without the church. Only 9% of churches grew in 2021. 91% of churches are seeing less people in their church. The pandemic has changed a lot. It's accelerated a lot of cultural trends. There's been so many cultural convulsions. Something is changing in our world. What's going on right now? What's next? What will a post-pandemic church in a post-Christian world look like? How can communities of Jesus followers flourish and help their cities and communities flourish in such difficult and divided times? What is the future of the church? I want to invite you to join us as we explore how to join what Jesus is doing in our world right now. In our new series called Future Church, we'll be looking at the current cultural trends, statistics, and challenges that we're facing. And we will be looking at ways the church can follow Jesus and be faithful to Jesus in such fractured times. I want to encourage you to bring friends who are curious or who may be discouraged in their faith. I believe this conversation is maybe going to breathe new life and fresh vision, not only into our world, but into our way of following Jesus together. Guys, I love you so much. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.